This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. I have to tell you, first of all, hello, America. I have um, I have a must read book um, for anybody who wants to be a part of the solution. Uh, it has been sitting on my desk for a while, and I have had friends tell me, got to read it, got to read it, got to read it. I started reading it, and I have zipped through this book. Um, it's actually a marketing book, but forget marketing. It explains us psychologically where our society is. It explains why people are gravitating towards Marxism besides indoctrination. There is a pull to Marxism and collectivism that is happening right now that is explained way beyond um, anything besides indoctrination. It explains the election And it also explains what we need to do if we are going to navigate out of these very dangerous waters. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, I've been talking about... I've been talking about um, the the, the pendulum theory, my pendulum theory, for a long time. Uh, And that is that when when the pendulum swings so far and so dramatically, it becomes this European pendulum of right and left. It becomes fascist or communist and when there is a real uh, moment of instability whoever is at that furthest end when there is a when there is a shock to the system that's when a country like ours has the uh, potential of going into profound darkness and depending on who's grabbing it either communism or fascism I have warned because of the pendulum theory that I that I kind of came up with um, that there's going to come a time when these strong men are going to come up just like they always do in history, uh, and you better be aware of all of the earmarks of a strong man. Okay, been talking about that for I don't even know how long ten years. A book called Pendulum has been sitting on my desk. Came out 2012. Friends of mine have been saying to me, Glenn, you got to read this book. you got to read this book. I know. Everybody says that to me, and I've got stacks of books. So I've been trying to catch up on all of my reading lately and um, trying to get through all of them. And I've been reading a lot of history books, mainly because of Liars, my book that I put out, really 
the research that we did on that book has opened my eyes in a completely different way to progressivism. And I was in the middle of an interview yesterday, and I realized, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking differently about progressives now. I am, I am uh, I'm understanding why it happened and, and how it happened in a completely different way, not an academic way. And it is because of the book Liars, I think, that I, I have... I understand Common Core much more. I understand why Common Core um, now only teaches history to American history to 1880. They don't go back farther than 1880. What can, can you tell me, Stu, uh, what the king was doing in England? Anything you learned in school, what, what the kings were doing in 1740 in England? What England was even like in 1740? No. <laughs> No, right? None of us no. can. Not Why? Like Wikipedia, we didn't, no. <laughs> yeah, we, didn't, we didn't learn any of that. It was irrelevant to us because that wasn't our country. What was important was what was coming. We could probably tell you some things. General themes, sure. Yeah, but I don't even think of England. General themes, maybe, maybe. But in America, we could tell you general themes of what we were doing with the king that we were going over and saying, hey, king, this is a problem. But I can't tell you what was happening over in England, right? Right. Okay, so 1750. By 1776, we're in war. Common Core isn't teaching history, American history, past 1880. Why? Well, because like at 1750, that's when the progressive founders were going over to Germany and getting the new philosophy and trying to figure things out. And it's in the 1880s and 1890s that the first progressive designed to be the first progressive American university, Johns Hopkins University, was established. And then the very next school they did was the new school, which taught teachers how to teach the new progressive philosophy. So it started with education, and now it's ending with education. Okay? They started teaching the teachers, and then they changed all of our history throughout the years. And now the final closing door on this is to completely keep us in the dark with Common Core. And now it's finished. Right? I've been watching this trend of Marxism, and I have blamed it on just the education. And that is partly so. But when was the last time we saw Marxism really take root in this country. When was the last time we saw it really take root? Where it was this popular with the youth? Yeah, in the 1960s. When was it this popular the last time before the 1960s? Uh, 30s, 40s? 40s, okay. 30s and 40s. When was it popular before the 30s and 40s? The 10s. Okay. What are you seeing there? A trend. Uh, yeah, a trend. <laughs> and I keep looking at it and saying, well, because it was in the 10s, and then before that it was in the 1880s. Okay, 1880s, 1890s. Mm-hmm. All right. I keep seeing William Jennings Bryant, Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, FDR, LBJ, uh, Jimmy Carter... Uh, then uh, uh, um, 
Barack Obama. I keep seeing that swing. No, that's not the swing we should be looking at. That's not. They are a reflection of society. Society, let's change, let's get off of politics for a second and let's talk culturally. What is the we generation and what is the me generation? The last time the we generation was at its zenith, um, true zenith, was in the 1960s. Okay? And in the 1960s, it was, I want to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. It was, you know, rainbows, unicorns, butterflies, utopian society. We can change everything. We're going to be just great. Okay? 20 years later, what do we go into? 20 years later, we are in the zenith of the me generation, which is Wall Street, greed is good. Has nothing to do with Ronald Reagan. Just like the 1960s had nothing to do with LBJ. Those were products of the people. They happened to, as Ronald Reagan always said, I never changed. I've been saying the same thing for 40 years. The people finally caught up with me. That's true. And it's because we go from a we generation to a me generation. The last we generation before the 1960s was World War II where they all came together and did something profound. And it was about personal sacrifice. It was about the collective uh, then. If you look and and what defines the we generation, let me see if I can um, get this here. What defines the we generation? Um, There's a couple of things. And one is really good and one is really, really bad. And you have to be, you have to know. So in the upswing to the we generation, there is a 20-year upswing from the center uh, up to the we. We are at the zenith of the we generation right now. To give you a hint of some of the other times that what has happened in history um, at the zenith of the we uh, we, um, place is, let's see... Um, 1223, they decided to approve burning at the stake as a punishment in heresy. The Wee Generation, uh, Bloody Mary in 1543, 1703, the, the uh, Salem Witch Trials. 1783, um, the zenith of the Wee Generation is Robespierre and the American Revolution. 1863 is the zenith of the next Wee Generation, and that one is um, uh, the Civil War. Uh, let's see. 1937 to 1943 is the zenith of that generation for we. And that is Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and Joe McCarthy. Now, here's what the, here's what the traits are, the good traits. The good traits are authenticity. Tell me that these things are not gold right now authenticity teamwork humility small actions personal responsibility that one i'm kind of a little cold on and the cold hard truth this generation a we generation rejects hype posing arrogance 
I'm a little worried about that one because that's a sin. Arrogance, wishful thinking, self-righteousness, and sugar-coated BS. Okay? We are now, the me generation of the 1960s is, I'm okay, you're okay. I'm okay, you're okay. The we generation is, I'm okay, you're not okay. And it's defined in two ways. You either come together, it's, it explains Malcolm X and, and, and MLK. You either choose at the zenith of a we generation, or a, yeah, a we generation, you either choose fascism, totalitarianism, communism, strongmen, or you choose MLK, Gandhi. It's one or the other because it's driven by divisiveness, things that are not in the collective. In the me generation, it's much more, can't we all get along? Let's all get along. We can, you're okay, I'm okay. In this one, it's uh, at, the, at, the, at the swing up, it's I'm not okay, you're not okay. At the zenith, it is I'm okay, you're an enemy. And that is, according to history and the flow chart of this, we are currently uh, at the zenith of that I'm okay, you're not. And that's why we're being so divisive. So how do you solve that? How do you navigate through those, uh, through those waters? Um, let me just read something from this book. Put everybody in prison who's not okay. Exactly and, right. And get them out of your way. That is one way to go. One way to go? That is one way to go, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you counteract, counteract this? How do you make sure that society is that you are part of a movement because remember this entire time that we're in right now until 2023 the upswing of this um this entire time we have another 10 years before we start swinging back down towards um, a me generation we have till 2023 before we start swinging back down we're at the zenith now so how do, you, how do you make sure that you're a part of a group? Because that's what it takes, a group. That's why Marxism is so great at this time, because everybody is in groupthink. How do you appeal as a group, and how do you make sure you're not part of the, the fascists or the communists? How do you navigate these waters so you are Gandhi and Martin Luther King? Both of which, according to the time flow, the time chart, both of them were in in their countries, because it's different in different parts of the world, both of them were in the we generation time, not the me generation. I'll give you the three things that you have to do when we come back here in uh, just a second. First, my Patriot Supply, from West Virginia to Louisiana to California... The floods have been devastating. By the way, the Mercury One has been so unbelievably remarkable. Um, being on the ground, helping people um, with the floods. 
Um, if you would like to donate, you can donate and go to um, mercuryone.org, mercuryone.org, and help their disaster relief. Boy, do people, do people need help right now. And together, we can make all the difference in the world. Now let me talk to you a little bit about my Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply um, is, 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 is the group of people that I think will help you be a blessing not only to yourself but to your family and to your community. Um, you want to be the person that is there with answers, not there asking for help. This week only, my Patriot Supply is offering their one-week emergency food supply That is three meals a day for one person for seven days at $17.76. That's weird because how long did it take them to be able to work it out? So it was exactly, coincidentally, the price of independence. Um, $17.76. The food will last up to 25 years. It is available only this week. So seven days food supply, one person, $17.76, limit two per caller, a great and easy way for you to get started on food storage. You'll have seven days of food for two people in your family for less than 20 bucks each. Preparewith1776.com. Go there now. Preparewith1776.com. Or you can order uh, on phone at 888-411-0753. It's 888-411-0753. Or prepare with 1776.com. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Triple eight seven two seven back. This is the Glenn Beck program. So Stu brought up a really good point in the break, and and can we come back to it, Stu? About sure. Um, about exactly, he, he said. You know, I've always been taught that the me generation is bad and the we generation is good. Um, well, uh, yes and no. Both of them are good, and both of them can be bad. And we'll get into that in a little while. So. So in this book, you have, to, you have to read it if you really want to understand. And if you're a business person, it's a great book called Pendulum. It's by Williams and Drew, How Past Generations Shape Our Present and Predict Our Future. Now, this is a marketing book. And so he's talking about how to survive in business and everything else, which I think is one of the reasons why I'm like, okay, well, I, you know, just, I don't see myself, and that's been part of a problem, I don't see myself as a businessman. I see myself as trying to solve this puzzle. Well, when I finally picked up the book, I realized this is part of the answer I've been looking for. 
what these guys did is they went and they looked at trends over a long period of time. Do you guys ever remember the popcorn report, Faith Popcorn? She, she, she said a fad becomes a trend when a fad has lasted 10 years. And so they were big fans of the popcorn report, and they, they started looking at that um, as fads and trends. And then they started saying, well, well, let's look at this longer term. Let's go look at the last 100 years and see if we can see a trend. Wow, let's go look and see if that trend holds true over 200 years, over 500 years. And it does. And it is the swing between the we generation and the me generation. 2013 to 2033... This is, this is what it's called in the book. Who will we burn this time? On the upside, the zenith of a we offers some very specific marketing opportunities. Self-definition, branding, if you will, is no longer determined by who you include and what you stand for. Instead, it becomes a function of exclusion. Who do you exclude and who do you stand against? Which is really interesting when you hear people arguing if you're for this person you have to be against this person. It's not, that's, that's what we're doing right now. We're not even voting for someone. We're voting against another group of people. And both sides are doing it. So if you follow the exclusionary stuff, it leads to deep, deep trouble. How do you avoid that when we come back? This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I am uh, trying to get beyond politics and explain that um, uh, we are in a predictable pattern. And it happens every 40 years, a different direction from the me generation to the we generation. It is why collectivism and Marxism is being sold so easily right now. And it hasn't been that way really since the 1960s. 1960s were the last time that was really sold. And before the 1960s, it was uh, in the 19 uh, 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 teens and 30s and 40s. Again, that cycle. Okay, so this new book, Pendulum, and I shouldn't say it's new, it came out in 2012, by Williams and Drew. It's a marketing book, but it is, um, I'm looking at it to understand us. So, Every time you're at the zenith of the we generation, as the pendulum swings up, you have the chance of doing the Holocaust and Adolf Hitler, uh, Joseph Stalin, the Great Purge, uh, Joe McCarthy, the Un-American Activities Committee. Those were all in the upswing or the zenith of the uh, uh, we generation. The American Civil War was there. Robespierre and Americans winning the Revolutionary War, that was also in the we generation. So 
towards the end of the book is 2013 to 2033. Who will we burn this time? Because the witch trials were also in the uh, zenith of a we generation. Um, on the upside, the zenith of a we, op- uh, the we offers some very specific opportunities. Self-definition is no longer determined by who you include and what you stand for. Instead, it becomes a function of exclusion. Who do you exclude and what do you stand against? Now, here's the payoff. Now, listen to this. See if you can think of anything that m- mirrors this. This is written in 2012. The easiest people in the world to manipulate are those who are focused on a single issue. All you have to do is be forcefully against whatever they're against, and you can lead them around like a tame calf on a rope. (laughs) So if you could find a single issue, let's say immigration, you could kill somebody on Fifth Avenue and no one would say anything. That's what he's saying in 2012. Now listen to this. Yes, marketing becomes very easy. And by the way, flip side, same thing with Hillary Clinton. If you are against what people are against, what their group is against, quite honestly, capitalism, um, uh, 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 and uh, and nationalism, if you will, she can get away with murder. And nobody's saying anything. Marketing becomes very easy as we approach the zenith of we. Just choose what and who you will demonize and then start f- uh, tossing fear-soaked words as if they were long-necked beer bottles full of gasoline with fiery rags stuffed down their throats. It's Machiavellian, yes, we know, but it's true nonetheless. We wish we could bring you happier news, but the simple truth is, now this is written in 2012, unless we begin working together to soften this coming trend of I'm okay, you're not okay, we're about to enter the ugliest 20 years of the pendulum's 80-year round trip. Another thing I've been saying, how long have I been saying, Pat, that it'll take, if we lose it now, it'll take at least 80 years to get back. Oh, yeah, always. It's an 80-year trip. That's why that number is right. It's why, it's why Moses had to lead them around in the desert for 40 years, because 40 years is the, is the time that pendulum changes, goes from the middle to the, uh, to the zenith of one of the generations and back. And then it starts the me generation. Um, let's see, to counteract this trend, he suggests two things. (laughs) Listen with your whole heart and try not to interrupt. Resist the temptation to put words into other people's mouths. Don't be the person that accuses. Try to understand, truly try to understand what the other side is saying. <laughs> the last time we were in... Why do you laugh? So hard to do that. I don't know. So hard. To, no, it says in here, too, it's almost so impossible. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not hard to try to understand, but no, once but, you understand, it's hard to, keep, to, to, yes. to not speak. I have a really hard time listening because... I, I, I generally know. I, I've already thought of all of the things. We know what that, you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Believe me, we mm-hmm. do the show with you, so we I, know that when we're halfway no, I know. point, you start <laughs> speaking. But generally, I know, I know what, that. generally because of what we do, hmm. 
we have thought all these things through because we've argued them off the air. And so we're, you know, six months ahead of where people are going to be in their arguments by the time the rest of the country gets there. And so it's really hard. But a good example of this was Dinesh D'Souza. We played it yesterday. Great example of being able to listen and calmly um, argue his point. So listen to what the other side uh, says. Um, The last time we were in here, Ernest Hemingway reported to offer perfect advice. When people talk and listen completely, uh, when people talk, listen completely. Most people never listen. It's time to heed that advice again. Two, now remember, what you're trying to do here, what the goal is, is to soften the blow of what, the, what cycle we're in, okay? It's to make sure that we don't go into a fascistic, communistic dictatorship, totalitarian rule. This is not necessarily how to win. This is how to soften the ground so we're not sucked up into prison camps, okay? So first, be an example and listen. Two, be capable of articulating calmly how the other side sees it. So not only do you have to listen, you have to be able to say, okay, so here's how the other side sees it. Now, this is amazing because I just read this part this morning. This is what I've had trouble from, from many people when I said, listen, I don't agree with Black Lives Matter, but here's how they feel. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is by saying that, um, the Washington Post has asked for an uh, op-ed piece. The New York Times has asked for an op-ed piece. That's never happened before. Now, as I said to my wife, I don't necessarily take that as a badge of honor. (laughs) That makes me question absolutely everything. However, it shows the other side is willing to listen for the first time. And and because they see that maybe somebody is listening. When, When we listen to each other is the only time we can... Why did we not make any progress with Barack Obama? Why did we know we would never make any progress with Barack Obama? He didn't listen. He never listened to us. Not once. No. And so that ratcheted thing, and I think he did it intentionally. He didn't even pretend to. No, he didn't want to. He rejected. Cindy Sheehan met with George W. Bush in the Oval Office. Barack Obama never invited the Tea Party people to go and meet with him and talk to him. Never. And if he did, because of everything that is written by the people on the left, he doesn't listen anyway. He tells you where you're wrong. But somebody who actually listens softens the blow. I don't think the Tea Party would have been as, as, um, uh, as active as they were if he would have said, you know what, let me sit down and listen. And then come out with a press conference and said, with the Tea Party people... I just met with these people, and we disagree on a lot of things. A lot of things. But there's some things that I needed to hear. Can you imagine how that would have changed things? It would have made a world of difference. So why aren't we doing that as leaders? Why aren't we doing that? The reason why we're not doing that um, is because, um, A, it's just been my gut, and I haven't had, I mean, how many times we've walked in for the last year to work and go, I don't know how to navigate these waters. I don't know what we're doing. I have no idea what we're doing. I don't, this hasn't been done before. 
How do we navigate these waters? How do we save our voice? I mean, it's, it's almost, I, I wrote to somebody um, last night. Right now, what we're doing on this radio show is chemotherapy. We are taking the medicine that we think we have to take, which is be more Christ-like, listen to people, try to articulate the way other people, this is before this came out, or before I read this, try to articulate what people are saying and listen to people um, and um, don't demonize, yet we've balanced that with there are things that we have to speak out against. We have to take a strong stand against. And how do we do that without killing ourselves? Well, I describe this as chemotherapy. We are trying to take the medicine that we believe we have to take, and we're hoping that it kills the infection before it kills us. But it's a delicate balance. Too much, and it kills us. Not enough, and it doesn't work. So we don't know what that balance is, but we know we have to listen, and we know we also have to separate ourselves from things we know are wrong. Impossible to do. Impossible. This has given me some more confidence today that A, we're on the right track, um, and B, because this is scientific and not about politics, it explains the psyche of the American people, um, and B, um, it gives me hope that it isn't about us. You remember I've been saying, last week I think I did a monologue on if we are parents of the next generation, and the next generation is the one that's going to solve this. What are we supposed to be doing and what are we supposed to be teaching? This gives me real um, hope and an understanding that, yes, you do make it through it, and it is indeed our children that are going to have to fix this. Because at 2023, the downswing is, is headed back towards the me. And the me is not bad. The me is... Let me see if I can find the definition of the me. Remember, these are both bad. Um, for instance, the we. How can you say it's, it's bad to be uh, a we person? Can't say that, right? The greatest generation was self-sacrificing. But when self-sacrifice is taken too far, when the collective is taken too far, it becomes bad. How can you say the me generation is good? It's all about greed. It's all about me, me, me. No, that's actually on the bad side. The bad side of the me generation is greed. The good side of the me generation is you have to be complete. You have to find in you what makes you you, why you're here. You need to take care of you and you need to Pursue your dreams and have your own power. So it's the balance between these two. The trouble only comes at the zenith of these. So at the zenith of the me is greed is good. At the zenith of the we, Marxism and collectivism is good. It's when it's headed towards the pendulum middle that it works. And that we won't hit until 2023. So we have hard, hard years um, ahead of us. The drivers of a we cycle, the things we have to remember, 
conform for the common good, assumes personal responsibility, believes a million men are wiser than one, yearns to create a better world, takes small actions, desires to be part of a productive team, values humility and thoughtful persons, believes leadership is, this is the problem as I see it, let's solve it together, and focuses on solving problems to strengthens to strengthen society and its sense of purpose. Now, <clears throat> bond arms. If you're thinking about buying a gun, it is important to do your own homework and find a gun that is right for you. And um, now is the right time. Now is the right time to buy a gun. You need to learn how to use it properly, store it, and become a responsible gun owner. I, I have to tell you, I saw something on Pinterest last night that was from the NRA, and it was how to properly fire a gun. It was the cleanest, nicest, best thing I've ever seen on, on how to be responsible and fire a gun. It was fantastic. Bond Arms has a great gun that you need to check out. Bond Arms knows the Second Amendment is under attack and activists want to turn our country upside down. Now is the time, and this is a great gun. Built here in Texas, it is capable, it is absolutely rock solid, and it is something that will fit in one of those fancy purses, you know, little purses that, you know women take when they're dressed up not the big huge mom bags but the little teeny dress up purses and i can i can put it in my front pocket and it is a shotgun in your pocket check them out now do your own homework go to bondbeck.com that's b-o-n-d-b-e-c-k bondbeck.com bondbeck.com you're listening to the glenn beck program Back program. I am so glad that you have joined us today. Um, the book we've been talking about this hour is Pendulum by Williams and Drew. I don't know the authors, but I'm going to find the authors and we're going to bring them in. Um, I'm so excited for this new season uh, that we are debuting in uh, a few weeks, middle of September. Um, there's going to be some new things happening on the radio show uh, coming this fall, but also... Um, some really exciting stuff on television. We are changing, and um, uh, we have Founding Fridays coming back, Founders Fridays coming back um, with David Barton. We are going to be teaching a lot of history. Uh, We have two, Liberty's Vault, which is uh, all of the museum and the stories and what, what the principles are based on the artifacts that we have. Um, how do you teach principles, values, ethics? We'll show you in the vault also uh, called, something called His Story. It begins middle of September. You don't want to miss. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Did you guys see the uh, Hannity interview with Donald Trump last night? Uh, parts of it, yeah. Yes. I, that was amazing. I, I, I didn't even know what to think about that. I honestly don't know how to even begin to think about that. Talking about the, the softening on the immigration policy? Is it the softening or is it the reversal or was it the... Well, he's saying it's a softening. I mean, I think a lot of people are saying it's a reversal. And this uh, is what got the guy elected in the Republican Party. This is this was his this big deal. We're going to build a wall and this is it. he just made it 10 feet higher. And yeah, we did it. We did but he it. means what he says. He never backs down. Wait a minute. He sticks to everything. The crowd cheered when he reversed himself last they night. They did. So I don't know. Were you for it then or against it? I don't know what's happening. And this hour, <clears throat> I really want to talk to... <clears throat> excuse me. I really want to talk to... Um, uh, Trump supporters, and I just want to listen to you. I just want to hear what you're saying now about and how you're feeling about what Donald Trump did last night and and this week, where he's changing. Why is he doing that? How are you processing that? Um, what's your point of view? Because I don't understand it, and I want to hear it from you. Um, we'll do that coming up in just a second. You can call us now at eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. But we're also um, furthering our exploration of the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, a true advocate for civil rights. He's a man that we are taught many things about. Some of them are true. Some of them are not. What do we really know about Martin Luther King here on the anniversary week of his I Have a Dream speech? We start today with a second installment of our serial on MLK and begins right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Just who was civil rights icon Martin Luther King? Was he a philandering communist threat who needed to be tracked by the FBI? Or was he a saint who could do virtually no wrong? As so often is the case, the truth lies somewhere in between. The man and the legacy of Martin Luther King, however, has essentially been hijacked by Democrats and progressives. To them, he is theirs and theirs alone. When anyone ever on the right refers to him in a positive light, they're excoriated, accused of co-opting Dr. King. But despite what some family members and others with an agenda claim today, Martin Luther King was not a Democrat. And although some, like former head of the NAACP Julian Bond, would have us believe, Martin Luther King was not a socialist or a communist. We don't remember the King who was the critic of capitalism, who who said to uh, Charles Fager when they were in jail together in Selma in 1965 that he thought uh, a modified form of socialism would be the best system for the United States. In King's own words. That so happens that communism is a system that I disagree with philosophically. I would not prefer to live under a communist system. Uh, I happen to feel that the great moments of history have been those moments when individuals have been left free to think 
and, uh, and to act. And I feel that communism often stands in the way of certain First Amendment privileges that we have in America, for instance, uh, that I just couldn't adjust to. In 1964, Martin Luther King was asked for his thoughts on the Republican Party. Well, they will probably include all. They are certainly for civil rights and uh, calling upon the Republican Party to take a forthright and positive position uh, on civil rights. King was looking for Republicans to take a positive position on civil rights, and they did. Eighty percent of Republicans supported the civil rights movement, compared to 64% of the Democrats. Prominent Democrats like LBJ initially fought against the civil rights bill, seeking to weaken it. Al Gore's father opposed it, along with Klan member Robert Byrd and Democratic Governor George Wallace, just to name a few. One of Martin Luther King's close friends since childhood, Bruce Bassard, also forthrightly claims that he was, in fact, a Republican. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Republican because his dad, first of all, was a Republican. He, he was an HR. He was, he was the head of the family. And, and if dad was a Republican, the, the whole entire household was a Republican. Now there's this fight about this back and forth from the standpoint of saying, well, he is, he was, and he wasn't. No, he was a Democrat, and this, that, and the other. Well, hey, I don't buy that. The bottom line, the man was a Republican. His dad was a Republican. If Martin Luther King and his father were both Republicans... It could have been because the Republican Party was the party of civil rights. But could it also be that Martin Luther King was also a conservative? Bishop Jim Lowe of Guiding Light Church, who was injured in the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church that killed four little black girls in 1963, had this to say about the ideology of Martin Luther King. Dr. King would be conservative. Come on now, there's no question about that. And he would be... He would be uh, uh, ostracized and condemned by many, uh, many black people because the latter part of what was going on, they were turning against him then because they wanted a faster action. You had to deal with the thing. He had to deal with the Black Panthers then. He had to deal with uh, uh, Stokely Carmichael's and, and the radicals that were there. But in spite of what he had to do with his own people, he still held fast to the truth of the Word of God. His niece, Alveda King, believes her uncle wasn't a member of either party. He was not a Democrat or a Republican during his lifetime. He said that himself. He, he, he called, uh, I think, as, during his lifetime, Democrats were Dixiecrats, you know. And uh, so he says, I'm not a Dixiecrat nor a member of the Republican Party. I need to be speak, able to speak to everybody. And while MLK was a preacher and practitioner of nonviolence, he was also a believer in the Second Amendment to the Constitution and his right to protect himself and his family with guns. In fact, he believed in the Second Amendment so much so that one of King's advisors described his home as an arsenal. Also, after being denied his application for concealed weapons permit, no doubt due to racism, he was clearly in dire need of protection since his home had been firebombed. But having been denied, he hired armed guards for further protection. After the assassination of JFK in November 1963, Martin Luther King stated it was the times in which they were living, not the guns. 
As so many of today's politicians allege, including Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, according to Stanford University historian Claiborne Carson, King said, By allowing our movie and television screens to teach our children that the hero is one who masters the art of shooting and the technique of killing, by allowing all these developments, we have created an atmosphere in which violence and hatred have become popular pastimes. But now, more than anything else... What is certain to those who knew him and have studied him over a lifetime, like Bishop Jim Lowe, that Martin Luther King was first a minister of the gospel before he was anything else, as anything else, as a doctor, as a uh, peace, uh, a Nobel Peace uh, winner. He was a he was a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was a preacher. He was a reverend. Called of God. That's the most important thing. That's what his foundation was. Look at all of his teachings. Look at everything he espoused. And that's what the media, that's what everybody else tries to put out of it. He's Dr. Martin Luther King. Oh, he was more than a doctor. He was a child of God who was willing to use his life to sacrifice his life in service of injustice against injustice and inhumanity of man to man in all that he did. He lived his life believing in that. His legacy and his message have been twisted and contorted by conspiring men with agendas of self-interest to promote. And along the way, the simplest and purest part of that message has seemingly been lost or discarded. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Nothing could be more American or conservative than that. Merit. Judge me by my actions. Judge me by my contributions. Judge me by what I can offer you and society, not by what race I am. It is the quintessential conservative message. Those who have distorted who he was for their own gain, people like former NAACP President Julian Bond, who alleged that Martin Luther King was a socialist, and Al Sharpton, who said Martin Luther King didn't fight for a black man in the White House. He wanted equal stuff in everybody's house. Wrongly attaching the Marxist principle of equal outcome to him. People like that have tainted his accomplishments and confused generations of Americans of who he really was. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Certainly not a saint, but neither was he a communist subversive. He was a complex man who stared down injustice and won. But in order to understand the man and dispel the myth, next time we look into the scandals, real and not so real. Glenn Beck. That is one of the most powerful things I have uh, read and heard. I mean, when you hear that, you know, I have a dream today about my kids living in a world where they're judged by the content of their character. When you really ponder that, there is nothing more conservative, nothing more classic liberal 
Nothing more American. Nothing more American than that. Yeah. That, that is what America connected to him on. They, they, he cemented himself at that moment with that line. Yeah. And, and yet, if you look at it now, what the uh, progressives are saying is the exact opposite of that line. And no whether course. he would have been a conservative then, but if he were a conservative and or if he were alive today and honest and could actually come into our society and drop down and say, forget labels. Tell me which of these represents you, which line of thought. And I'm not talking Republican. <laughs> I'm not even talking about conservative because I don't know what conservative means anymore. But self-reliance helping others, getting along, judging people by what they produce, who they are, what their, what their um, principles are. I, I can't see how Martin Luther King could be anything but, uh, I'm going to be careful with this, what I would consider, uh, consider a conservative, a constitutionalist is better for me, a constitutionalist, because that is what the Constitution protects, is that very philosophy. And now this, if your children receive a text message with a link to your bank, or if you receive one, or an unsolicited text message from a doctor, lawyer, a mortgage company, their university that says, hey, uh, you need to uh, text us your information because uh, uh, we've lost it or we've updated our systems, be careful. Identity thieves are now using text messages to scam you and your children into giving personal identification. Use good judgment. Teach your children. Never respond to texts like that. You call the bank. You call the university. You don't do it on, online. And don't use the number that they're saying. Um, make sure you have LifeLock. That's something La- I always do. Whenever I get a call from like my credit card company or something, I, all, I never call the number they leave on the voicemail. I always go online and find a number or look in the back of my credit card and right. call that number. So at least I know I'm in the right spot and they can direct me right. wherever. And you can also say, hey, I got a call from this number. Is that a number that is part of you guys? Right, yeah. yeah. They'll know. Um, use good judgment um, and make sure you have LifeLock. LifeLock scans hundreds of millions of transactions every second. And if they detect that your information is being used, they send you an alert. And if you have a problem... A U.S.-based agent is going to work to fix it. Nobody can prevent all identity theft, monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best identity theft protection available, and memberships start at $9.99 a month plus sales tax. So go to LifeLock.com or call 800-440-4936, 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BECK, and you're going to get 10% off your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership, 1-800-440-4936. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. play uh, Donald Trump on uh, immigration, and then uh, I want to hear from people who are voting for Trump um, on, on what this means to you. 
so far, I'm looking up on the board, and mm-hmm. basically, it doesn't mean anything to um, uh, to any of his supporters. They're all still going to support him and don't seem bothered by this. Fine with it. Um, and I, I just what I want to know is why is he softening? What why is he doing this? Um, what does it mean to you? Uh, I don't want to change your mind. I'm just looking for information. Eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. But if you missed it. Here's what here's what happened. First, let's start with where he was um, in the past, uh, and okay. it's on, on his strong, you know, on his strong statements of the past. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. Going to have a deportation force, and you're going to do it humanely, and you're going to bring the country. And frankly, the people, because you have some excellent, wonderful people, some fantastic people that have been here for a long period of time. Don't forget, Mika, that you have millions of people that are waiting online to come into this country, and they're waiting to come in legally. And I always say the wall. We're going to build the wall. It's going to be a real deal. It's going to be a real wall. There was a picture in one of the magazines where they had a wall this tall, and they were taking drugs over the wall. They built a ramp over the wall, and the truck was going up and down. They were using it like a highway. The wall was like a highway. And this is not going to happen. It's going to be a Trump wall. Okay, so, okay, so they were rapists, and he was going to build a deportation force to, to right. deport. And he said that humanely. He said, yeah. we're going to do it humanely, but there's going to be a deportation force. Now, here's what he said on Hannity last night. Any part of the law that you might be able to change that would accommodate those people that contribute to society, have been law-abiding, have kids here, would there be any room in your mind or you... Because I know you had a meeting this week with Hispanic leaders. I did. I I had a meeting with great people, great Hispanic leaders, Mm -hmm. and there certainly can be a softening because we're not looking to hurt people. We want people... We have some great people in this country. We have some great, great people in this country. He's talking about the illegals. We have great, great people in this country who are who are here with their families. Apparently, they're no, they're no longer rapists, and uh, and they're law, law-abiding. And they're he, law-abiding. He said earlier. He said earlier that we are going to have this deportation force, but we're going to do it humane because we do have good people here. Right. right. So, but so I don't know what the people in the meeting um, said specifically. This is the meeting he's talking about. Um, Trump acknowledged there is a big problem with the 11 million people who are here, but that deporting them is neither possible nor humane. Trump said that. That's what the this is from. This is from the meeting. The meeting, which they're de- which they I believe are denying that this. I saw his new. They're saying that they're not. They're not saying that they're denying these quotes. No, Kellyanne Conway did. Kellyanne Conway said to be determined on whether. Okay. Uh, well, this is what this is what. Remember what was the was it the New York Times that did the sit down interview with him and they said. He's saying the exact opposite on immigration, and uh, we have the tapes, and if he'll give us permission, we'll release the tapes. And he said no. None of that stuff was I don't know true. If they ever said it was specifically immigration, but part they, of it was. I think you're right. Part of it was. I, um, you know, and then, but are, are, so people are still confused about our reticence over this guy. Okay, don't worry. Don't make it about us. I so, know, but I'm just saying. I know, but uh, so, so. From the beginning, he's played both sides of the fence. From the beginning. Um, and so, so speak. how do you trust him? And again, like, you know, a deportation force from his own campaign uh, is uh, to be determined. Uh, this morning, his campaign surrogate said that the campaign was evolving, and that's what happens in politics. Campaigns evolve. Okay, I mean, that's something to consider. Um, another quote from uh, someone in that meeting, um, uh, Trump was, was going to announce a plan to grant legal status that wouldn't be citizenship, but would allow them to be here without fear 
of deportation. Uh, so obviously, like, I mean, look. It's amnesty. There's a lot of ways to look at this. I'm, I am actually legitimately curious what, what you think he's doing if you're a Trump supporter and if it's okay with you and why it's okay with you. Because isn't that what Rubio was saying? Yeah, I mean, these are basically these Rubio's. Are Rubio's. I mean, and as, as Trump himself described it, it's actually Obama's plan. It's just that he's doing it with more energy. Right. Um, that's, the, that's an actual quote, by the way. Yeah, he's doing it with, he's doing it with more energy. More energy. It's, it, Obama got rid of a lot of people that shouldn't have been here. He's just going to do it with more energy. Right. So, I mean, I'm curious to see if that's what people see or you think he's doing it with more the Glenn Beck Program. glad that you're here. We're talking about what Donald Trump has done in the last few days. Um, and I just want to hear from Trump supporters. And I'd like to hear from, um, well, I'll, I'll take anybody. Um, but I want, it, I want to hear from those people who liked the fact that he said what he meant and meant what he said, um, that he didn't play the typical game. Doesn't uh, back down. That, that he doesn't back down. And that they that he he was going to deport the 11 million people how are you adjusting to his now basically repudiation of some of those things by saying we can't deport those 11 million um and uh we're going to have to make compromises is that a good thing is that presidential is he playing politics uh, but he has to play politics. What, what, what is happening in your head? Uh, we're not going to argue. I don't want to change your mind. I just really want to hear you. So let's go to Nate in Virginia. Hello, Nate. Hey. How you doing, Mr. Beck? Very good. You can call me Glenn. Go ahead. Oh, hey. Hey, Glenn. Uh, you know, I agree with a lot of what you say, and I agree with some things I don't agree with. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Trump, this is the first time I've actually voted. I'm 38 years old. I hate it. Every other candidate they've given to me since I was 18 years old, and I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't vote. I'm one of those enigmas out there, Um, the ones that the polls don't catch, and I think there's a lot more of me out there. Um, As far as this this immigration policy, when he first came out and said that he was going to deport 11 million, I obviously knew straight away that there's no way in the world he could do that. Nobody could do that. That would cause such chaos in America um, that it would just promote anarchy and the complete destruction of the whole system. I knew when he said that, what he meant was because of his past history of using illegal immigrants, obviously you know that as well, um, and, and, and other businesses using them, that he meant he's going to get rid of the uh, problem with the illegal immigration. Basically, he, I know that he meant that he was going to enforce the laws that we already have on the books. Okay, so you are the first person in 38 years you're voting for is Donald Trump. Yes, sir. And so you were fine with him. Uh, you didn't take this as him lying to you. You took this as what? 
I took I took this as he he's not a politician. You got to remember that. And I took this as when he comes out, he says some of the craziest things, and it's just to get the attention of the people out there. Um, How do you know what to believe then? How how do you know? Why can you trust him then, Nate? If if he doesn't say what he means, how do you trust him? Here's the thing: he speaks a new language. He speaks an altogether different language than than what you're used to. He speaks a common tongue language. When he comes out and, and he says whatever he says passionately. But how do you know you can trust him? But, uh, yeah, uh, Pat's point is, Nate, and this is not a, we're really trying to understand what people think. How do you know which time he means something and when he doesn't? For instance, when he says about the Supreme Court um, that he's going to appoint justices there, he has said both things. One day he said uh, that he's going to appoint this list. And the very next day, he said, "Well, it won't. It'll, it'll look like that list. It won't be that list." So, which one do you know? He's telling. He's give me the code to decipher his language. Here's the code, right? He comes out and he says some crazy stuff. First of all, in that crazy stuff that he says, eighty percent of what he's saying can be taken either way. The point is, is the twenty percent that you have to pick up on. It's like when you read a book, you have to just find those few sentences that um, make sense. You have to go through it and find it. But the, the major thing with, with Trump is this. When he says something like that, basically what he means is that he's going to fix the problem. He, he, he's a very extreme man, and he definitely um, means what he says, and he will. Here's the thing about Trump you've got to remember as well. He's a businessman. And... He's not a politician. He's not someone who's going to be able to solve all of America's problems. Last night when he was in Dallas, where you guys are located, he was pretty much predominantly concentrating on the black population and saying stuff about that. Um, Is he going to solve the problems in Chicago? No. You know who's going to solve the problems in Chicago? The American people. What Trump will do is enable and give power to the people to do so without the federal government, I believe, getting involved. All right. Can I ask one more point of clarification, just to, just to follow up. So um, you, because uh, you you brought back up that point, which I think a lot of people really liked about Donald Trump is that he's not a politician. Um, but wasn't one of the main reasons that we don't like politicians is because they do kind of what you described, which is say something that will appeal to the current audience, and then wait until a different opinion will help them and change their opinion. I mean, what what we're kind of describing here with Trump is very typical of politicians, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's learning the game. His, the, the, the current people that he just replaced and put in there are softening them up. And he's actually, for the first time, listening to okay. his people underneath him. And I believe he might be listening to your show. I'm, he, I know for a fact he's listening to Handy, and I know for a fact he's listening to Rush. And he's listening to the American people. His, his advisors underneath him, I think, are a good thing now. I think the other ones weren't quite fitting him. And I know that because, you know, like wait, 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 wait. Because they can give him the language that will help him get elected or because he's yes. changing his mind? Absolutely. Now he's coming towards the independents and the Democrats. He, he knows that he can't, he, it's not going to go but anywhere. But does he mean it? Wait, wait, wait. Does he mean it or is he just saying these things like a politician? He's just, he, he's just saying these things at this moment. And I have no problems admitting that to get elected. Okay. Just as long as, while he, as far as I'm concerned, as long as he does the basic things, the foundational things, which is build a wall, 
Mm-hmm. He's not going to have people like me coming after him because if he doesn't do okay, what he so said, if, so if he doesn't build a wall, if he doesn't build a wall like China, um, then you're then he's in trouble. It's the yeah, wall that trouble. is your line. Oh, okay. he's, he's he's in so much trouble you don't even understand the backlash of us. Oh, I the think we're I do. So frustrated and angry and tired of all the political stuff, we're going to come after him personally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're going to get him. Mm-hmm. I don't know him. what you mean. Hang on. What does that mean? Um. Impeach you know, the, the most peaceful way that you can get rid of a president is impeach him. Right. Yes, sir. Okay. You're not, there's not violence when you say coming after him personally. Well, I mean, hey, that. hey, you yourself said he's condoned violence in the past, hasn't he? And no, I don't, I don't think he's, that it's good to... Not towards to, him, to, he has condoned violence. Yeah. <laughs> That's toward a, us. Yeah, yeah. He's, I'm just saying he's appealing to people who are very frustrated and angry. Their, their frustration and anger can only be subsided if he makes his promises true. And I, he, he has a lot on his shoulders. He, maybe he himself doesn't even know how much. But if he okay. doesn't come through for us, he's going to have bigger problems. Bigger problems than what you know. Okay, Nate. Well, obviously, you know. Thank you for one of the spookiest phone calls I think I've ever received. We'll stick with the impeachment part of that. Uh, uh, but you also have to listen to what he's saying there. He, he was... Uh, 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 he was leaving that door open and, um, you know, you don't, he, he was, he's, he, I think he just spoke the truth there. Who is he appealing to people who are, and not everybody, but some like Nate, very frustrated, very angry. And if, if this is the prediction I made on Barack Obama, that if Barack Obama didn't do what he said he would do, the left would go out of their mind nuts. Well, he's been a leftist all the way. But if Donald Trump says he's going to do build the wall and he doesn't build the wall, the, the, the people that were counting on that and are one issue and angry about it, I think will. He, he's, he is... He is, he is Put his finger, not on the pulse, but in the spine on that nerve that's been bugging everybody, and he's pushed. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't uh, do what he says he's going to do, he's in trouble. And to reset what we're doing here in this break, um, we are taking, we're not arguing with these people. We're not, you know, some of people are saying crazy things that we don't agree with. Um, that's very possible here, but we do that. That is not what we're doing here. We're not arguing. That was our promise to get yeah. people to call in. So we're we're trying we're not to arguing. That. We want to learn um, and we want to listen to you. So we're not going to try to convince you. So don't take our silence as uh, necessarily agreeing with all these points by any means. We want people to a strong disagreement. But I want to hear. I want to hear. I do too. I do too. Because um, I started off. He said just to clear. I'm trying to keep a, a list of what people think, and he started off by saying. Trump said crazy things initially, right? And then he came around to where he is, right? Then at the end, he said he believes what he said in the primary, but now is 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 homogenizing it for the public. So I don't know how to categorize that. I think I, was I it lying in the general or lying in the primary? I don't know the, the common man tone. I don't know. I don't know which one that he's was. He's also not a politician, but he's acting just like a politician. He's learning. Here's the other thing oh. that is 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 uh, that uh. sticks out to me in the same thing. He says he has his own language. Well, that's really that's dangerous to think this way because you become an empty vessel. You become 
whatever it is the people want you to become. And so if you are saying, well, he speaks my language and I understand him and you don't, well, and you got to read between the lines. Well, I can read between the lines and I found something very disturbing and much different than he just did. So where's the Rosetta Stone on how to know what is what with him? Again, and that's to make that point again, that's not only is that what we don't like about politicians, it was specifically the talking point for in Donald Trump's favor. Yes. He wouldn't yeah. do things like that. He yeah. wouldn't make you read between the lines. Yeah, he would. That was the whole point. Yeah. You were supposed, he was the one telling it like it is. Okay, so listen, call in. We are not going to argue with you. We just really want to hear what you have to say about um, his changing of the border um, policy and w- what that means to you. Um, 888-727-BECK. Now this. A lot of good people looking for work right now. If you're looking to hire somebody, how do you find the best candidate? Well, we use ZipRecruiter.com. And let me speak to you if you are a busy person that runs your own business. Man, I get it. Uh, we, we have so many projects going on, and we have reduced our number of projects. We have so many projects going on. We have so many things going on. We don't have time to do the hiring process that we need to do. And, you know, we'll have meetings and who has written up the job description for this? I know, but I've been working on this, this, and this. It is so hard, let alone having to place the ads, put them all over on all of the different websites, and then juggle all the phone calls and the emails and everything else. ZipRecruiter does all of that for you. You have to write the job description, then you put it on ZipRecruiter, and with one click, it will post to all of the uh, job sites and all of the social sites, Twitter and Facebook and everything else, um, just with one click. Then it has a dashboard where you can see all of the six million resumes that are there. You know, if anybody qualifies there, you can start going through there until yours start to roll in. And with 24 hours, you have the one specifically answering your ad. And you can organize them and file so you know exactly who's who and you can, or you can hire the right person that fast. It saved us a ton of time. ZipRecruiter. If you have your own business, now is the time to try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be my job. Mercury. This is the Glad Beck Program. Okay. One guy we have not had on that is running for president is Daryl Castle. I don't know anything about him. Uh, you guys have already talked to him, but I uh, promised a listener that we would talk to him. I, I'm looking for somebody to vote for. He's Constitution mm-hmm. Party. Want to talk to him uh, coming up in just a few minutes. Also taking your phone calls. If you're a Trump supporter, I want to know how you feel about what he's doing now on the border and what he said last night on the Hannity program. Phil in Florida. Go ahead. Hi there. 
Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, my, my household is kind of a microcosm. I was a never-Trumper. Absolutely thought he was a nut job. I didn't think he was serious about running. My wife has always been an always-Trumper, so I, I kind of see it from both sides. Um, I was for the Cruises, uh, mm-hmm. Bobby Jendals, uh, sure, Rubio. Sure. Uh, the uh, governor of uh, Wisconsin is named. I don't. I don't. I don't mean to. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut go you ahead. off, but I'm up against a break, so I want to make sure we get to your point. So, okay. All right. So, so okay, go ahead the and tell us. Point is this: um, as he softened his position, he, in my mind, became a more viable candidate. Okay, <laughs> because now he could actually pose a threat to the left. Okay. Um, and I understood where Trump was coming from. Trump initially had no way of distinguishing himself in the 16 people he was going against. He couldn't fight on policy grounds. He doesn't know policy. So he picked out something that would just, would it, uh, you know, make him stand out. Okay? But I do believe now, based on his, where he is, there's a certain, uh, a certain path or direction he really does want to take. But again, he's not concerned with specific policy. He does want to, I believe now, and I will vote for him now, and not exactly enthusiastically, but more than I I would. I'll vote for him and I won't hold my nose Um, because he he wants he sees major issues that he wants to deal with Um, the wall, um, what type of people come in and, and other things I could go on and on about. Okay. Okay. so and so and, when so he I'm not says, really concerned that he changes his policy, his specific policies, mm-hmm. because I'm more concerned with getting somebody in office who actually starts to want to take us in this direction. And I do believe Trump wants to. But if he doesn't it's, have a policy, it's yeah, just that direction. simple. Do I believe so what, he'll build a wall? So, Did I ever believe he'd build a wall? Absolutely not. Never. Did I believe he's going to deport 11.5 million people and kick down doors like Eisenhower did? Absolutely not. Okay, you Phil, know, I got to... I got to run, but thank you so much. We've got to comment. We have to keep taking these phone calls. Daryl Castle is coming up in a second, but stay on the phone. We're going to keep taking these phone calls. It's absolutely fascinating. 888-727-BECK. And welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. We have had so many listeners tell us that we have talked to all of the candidates, except for two. Jill Stein, who we have invited on the program several times. She won't come on. I don't think think this would be a good use of her time. At least that's what she thinks. I disagree with her. Um, But we would love to have uh, her on the program. Uh, And the other is the Constitution Party. And Daryl Castle, a guy who is running for president of the United States. Pat and Stu have already talked to him on his show. I have not met or talked to him. I understood. I was looking at a briefing about all of his stats and everything else. Uh, I see that he's a Calvinist. I don't know what that means exactly religiously, but I do hope that it means he's a fan of Calvin Coolidge. (laughs) Uh, And uh, he is with the Constitution Party, so we're... We have a pretty high standard here on this. Excited to meet him, and we do that right now. 
fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, program, Daryl Castle, uh, who is running for president of the United States under the Constitution Party uh, label. Hello, Daryl. How are you, sir? I am just fine, Glenn. Thank you. Great. Um, can you tell us a little bit uh, about your background, um, who you are, and then I want to get into some policy stuff. But but who are you, where you come from? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I come from a uh, small farm back in the hills of East Tennessee. That's where I was born in 1948, uh, which makes me 67 years old. And uh, since I was born in Tennessee, that means that I am a natural-born citizen more than 35 years old. Okay, hang on just a second. Hang on. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Daryl, I have to ask you, because this is one of the things that I understand if you go and do a Google search on you, that you are, uh, they, they say that you are a birther on both Obama and uh, Ted Cruz. Is that true? Uh, no, that's not true. Okay. Not true at all. As I've said many times, I, uh, I think... Uh, Ted Cruz is eminently qualified to be president, and were I a Republican, which I'm not, I would have voted for him in the primary. So, okay. no, it's I not like true. That. You you can find all kinds of stuff. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Okay. What about what, right. uh, but what about Obama? Are you would you say you're an Obama birther? I wouldn't say I'm an Obama birther. No, I I have no knowledge of where President Obama was born. I'm not qualified to make a judgment like that. Uh, it's he's available on. Line, you can look it up. Is Hawaii? Okay. You don't think? All you... right. So, okay, let's just move on from that. Okay. So, Daryl, um, no, go ahead, Stu. Go ahead. No. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. No, no, go ahead. No, I'm just, I, I just want to give him a chance to answer because obviously they, you know, the media, uh, the birth certificate that he released, uh, all indications are the newspaper reports from the day of, after his. Yeah, birth. I, I believe he was born in Hawaii. In Hawaii. Do but... you? And I, I'm not saying obviously you weren't there. I wasn't there. I didn't see it happen. Thank God. Um, but I'm curious, are you saying that you believe something else happened or that something has been hidden on that? Are you one of the theorists? No, I'm not saying that at all. Okay. Okay. All right. So, Daryl, um, tell me about your constitution, uh, your, your, um, your understanding of what the biggest problems are in America and what are your solutions? Well, I think uh, one of the reasons I'm in this campaign is that... Uh, America has uh, separated itself from the rule of law and from the Constitution, and it's in danger of uh, cutting government adrift. It's it's given uh, government so much authority and power to ignore the Constitution. I mean, um, limits. Government has to be limited, and it has to have limits, and those limits are the Constitution. I mean, Mrs. Clinton seems to, to know what it is. She has an understanding of what it is, and she knows that it's necessary that she talk about it, although I don't think she has any intention of actually following it. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Trump doesn't seem to even understand what it is or, or why it's there or whatever, but it is uh, our, the people's, limitations on government. It's the compact that we made with this government, and so I think that's very important, and I think it's in serious danger right now. What is your uh, what is your background? What did you do for, you know, these let's say forty years leading up to this? 
Well, I was a Marine officer for four years. I uh, I went to law school and got a law degree. I got married, uh, had a child who's 32 years old now. I've been married to the same woman for 38 years. Um, I, I founded a law firm which had offices in many cities around the country, and uh, I've been a lawyer now for 37 years, I guess. And uh, in 1992, I was uh, one of the original founders of the Constitution Party, along with several other people. And uh, what is what involved. is the what is the Constitution Party, and how does it differ from, let's say, the Libertarian Party? Well, the Constitution Party is a party that uh, originally was formed under the idea that uh, Democrats and Republicans were never going to take us where we thought the country needed to go, and, and it was formed on the idea that the original intent of the founders was still relevant today and could be uh, defended intellectually to the nation. How we differ from the Libertarians? Well, we have a lot of similarities with the Libertarians, but we differ from their candidate, Gary Johnson, quite a bit in that uh, he's pro-abortion and we're pro-life. He's pro-open borders, we're pro-secure borders. Uh, he's a lot of people into, in, a lot of people in the Consti- or in the libertarian party will say there's no place in the constitution and uh uh we should have open borders and there's 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 no place um, that a libertarian can find that we need to secure those borders well that's oh. fine that's why one of the reasons why i'm not a libertarian um, but <laughs> can you, can uh, def- I, I, can I you defend it secure borders uh, to be a nation, you need secure borders, and you need to know who's coming across those borders. Quite obvious. That should be obvious to anybody now. Can you defend it constitutionally? Yes, um, in in a couple of places. Uh, it's it is the first uh, duty of uh, of the federal government to protect innocent life, to know who's coming into the country, and uh, to know if terrorists are walking across the border or people with infectious diseases that uh, maybe this country's never seen before, things like that. Plus, it's the duty of the of the federal government. It's mandated in the Constitution that they're to protect the states from invasion. Uh, so those are all factors. So, um, Donald Trump this week has gone and said that uh, he's reversing himself and saying that he would not deport the 12 million people uh, or the 11 million people, and I think that's a low number. Um, he said that he would basically, he's, he's for some sort of amnesty now. Um, where do you stand on the, on what we do with people who have lived here for decades, some of them? Yeah, I'm, I'm not in favor of amnesty or granting blanket citizenship to those people who have come into the country illegally, but I'm not in favor of deporting them either. So what happens? What happens to them? What happens to those people? Yeah. Um, I mean, they go on about their lives as they always have, I guess, unless they're criminals, and then uh, something has to be done about that. So I mean, that, so, the avenue for citizenship in America is open. Uh, I attend a, a naturalization ceremony uh, most every year here in, in Memphis. So if a person wants to become a citizen, he's here. There are ways for him to do that. I'm I'm on a uh, kind of a crusade right now to help <laughs> someone articulate a position on immigration, secure the border, enforce the law, self-deportation will happen, remove incentives to be here, and then over time, 
I mean, deport the ones who are criminally uh, uh, acting criminally in this country, breaking laws. You deport them. That's the exactly ones, right. the well ones who who do not who who do not have incentive to be here any longer. They don't have jobs. Will themselves leave because there's no reason to be here anymore. Why is that? I, I just it's got to be articulated by someone sometime. In well, you just, uh, you just articulated it, and I just agreed with what you said. But the reason why it's not uh, the reason why it's not uh, uh, popular, why it's not applied among our our uh, rulers now, is that uh, they're trying to build a uh, a permanent dependent voting block. That's for sure. Uh, are, are you saying, Daryl, to, to just dis- dive into that distinction a little bit? Are you saying that you're, the reason why you said I'm not for deporting them is are you speaking more of like a uh, door-to-door roundup process that you're opposed to, rather than if we catch someone doing something, we realize they're not illegal, they're not legal citizens, we would, would deport them? Or are you saying that uh, you're... What's your, what's your distinction there? No, it depends on what you mean by if we catch them. Uh, if, if you a stop person, them, you stop them a traffic for a traffic ticket, I don't think yeah. you should mm-hmm. be deported. Okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. But if they've broken the law in, in a significant way. way. Yes, Okay. Would you say that it's not significant to break the law by being an illegal immigrant? No, I wouldn't say it's not significant, uh, but that's why I wouldn't grant them blanket a- amnesty. But, okay. you know, rounding up uh, the figure you gave, $12 million, uh, and as you said, it's probably much harder than that. Uh, is going, the cure is worse than the disease. But as you've put it, uh, removing the incentives for them to be here illegally uh, many people will self-deport, um, and uh, of course, the President Obama is trying to do that by making the economy so bad that they'll have to go back to Mexico to find jobs. But <laughs> nevertheless, uh, self-deporting uh, is the right solution, in my opinion. Daryl, let's let me let me switch topics to a couple things that I think are coming, and some of them are already here. Three things in particular: um, economic. Collapse. We um, there's a story uh, that I found. I still have to share it yet. Of the the Fed looking at printing, and this sounds so insane. It sounds like I'm making it up. The Fed considering printing for another QE quantitative easing four trillion dollars. The first would be a $2 trillion runoff of money and dump into the system, and they would consider going up to as high as $4 trillion. The next president is going to face real economic problems. What do you do about it? Well, uh, I think uh, what you just said is an indication that the Fed is out of bullets uh, the $3.5 trillion they just pumped into the economy did nothing, so they have no answer except to pump in more. Um, I think we, uh, we need to, uh, to return to the gold standard, uh, which would put an end to fractional reserve banking. And yes, you know, this country is going to go through the valley for a while. It's going to have to, to do that, to return to some type of uh, normalcy. I've, but I've we talked... could help the economy a great deal to simplify it by just doing uh, uh, a couple of three things: uh, reduce taxes, reduce regulations on employment, and uh, curb spending. So, how would you do those uh, three things? Tell me about your tax policy. Well, the uh, 
the constitutional text, and as I said, we 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 favor uh, a return to original intent. It has a tax system whereby uh, taxes could be apportioned per census on the states. In other words, if uh, if my state of Tennessee had had one percent of the nation's population, it could produce one percent of the revenue as it saw fit. I mean, some states like Alaska has petroleum and other natural resources, they could tax that. States like Hawaii and Florida might tax tourism and so forth down the line, which would uh, return sovereignty to the states, reduce the power of Washington, and increase the uh, the power of the states and so forth. So that's a tax-raising thing. Um, uh, any tax reduction system would be better than what we have now. Uh, and what was your other question? I'm sorry. Uh, so then the, then the next thing, uh, would be, uh, let's go to, um, uh, terror. Uh, terror is already here. Um, the president is bringing in, um, Hillary wants to bring in another, uh, 500, uh, 500,000, um, people from Syria. We don't know who they are. Um, how, how do you deal with terror? Well, uh, first of all, as the old saying goes, you know, when you find yourself in the hole, first stop digging. Um, I don't think we need to import any more terrorists. Uh, as I said, I think we need to have secure borders. Until we are willing to secure our borders and stop importing these people, we don't have anything to say about terror. Um, I mean, that's the absolute first basic thing. Would you have had Guantanamo closed or open? It's a difficult question, but for now, I don't think it it can be closed. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. Um, I don't like to see it there. I think it was a mistake to begin with. But um, what do you do with these people that are so dangerous? You can't turn them loose now. All right. Um, and the last one, and I have. Do I have time for one more question? I have one more question. I've got about forty forty five seconds. Um, the last one is, um, uh, is domestic unrest. Uh, how do you deal with what's happening on our streets with domestic unrest? Black Lives Matter. Well, I mean, that's a tough question, too. But, uh, uh, number one, we shouldn't create the racial climate that, that brings it about uh, by encouraging it. Um, but, uh, I mean, you have to deal with it. It's uh, At some point, it becomes a law enforcement problem. And, uh, you know, the, the Constitution gives the federal government... Uh, the uh, the right, the authority to, to protect them from domestic violence. So rather than encouraging it, I think we need to discourage it. Daryl, great to uh, have you on. A lot, of our fan, a lot of our fans are fans of yours, uh, and they've been asking to have you on. It's been great to have a first uh, brush with you and hope to have it again. Castle2016.com, castle2016.com, presidential candidate from the Constitution Party, Castle2016.com. Thank you very much, Daryl. Thank um, you, Glenn. I appreciate it. You bet. Um, our uh, sponsor this half hour, Simply Safe. Young boy in Nevada came home from school to a burglary in process. This happened at my assistant's house with Michelle, my assistant. Um, she gets a call from her son. Front door is open. Back door is open. He's smart enough not to go into the house. He calls mom. Mom, are you at home? No, honey, I'm at work. Well, front door's open, back door's open. She said, get away from the house. He said, I'm, I'm already away. She said, stay away from the house, calling police. Now, she wouldn't have had to worry about this if she had Simply Safe. That was the day. I said to Michelle, you don't have an alarm system? She said, no. I said, we're putting Simply Safe into your house. 
Simply Safe Home Security. You know, right now, the best deal ever $100 off your personal Simply Safe system. Plus, you get 24 uh, 7 security monitored all the time f- uh, for $14.95 a month and no contracts, no wires, no strings, nothing. SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there right now. Get $100 off your home security system. SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Um, Sean Hannity, let's play what we can of that one. Uh, Sean Hannity last night had Donald Trump on, and I want to take your phone calls, 888-727-BECK, and I want to hear from Donald Trump supporters, so people who are voting for Donald Trump, um, and tell me what you think about he softening his language on immigration and softening his policy and reversing some of his policy. Here's a little bit of what happened on Hannity last night. And this is where you, you seem to, in the last week, be revisiting the issue of sending everybody back that is here illegally. Tell us where you stand on that. We want to follow the laws. You know, we have very strong laws. We have very strong laws in this country. And I don't know if you know, but Bush and even Obama sends people back. Now, we can be more aggressive in that, but we want to follow the laws. If you start going around trying to make new laws in this country, it's a process that's brutal. We want to follow the laws of the country. And if we follow the laws, we can do what we have to do. Stop. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, He's saying that he's not going to make any new laws. So he is officially saying there's no... There's no new immigration force. Um, and and no, no what does that mean about ne- no deportation? He, what does that mean about the wall? Because getting the wall done is going to have to go through Congress. It already has, but it, it, it doesn't mean what he thinks it means. Uh, and so what does that mean about the wall? Will he be able to get that through Congress? And he says, we have to follow the laws. And people are applauding. Now, he's just said Bush and Obama sent a lot of people back. We can be more um, active on that. But he was just setting those two as the standards, and people applauded. I've got to hear your opinion if you're a Trump supporter. I will not argue with you. I don't want to change your mind. I just want to hear your thinking and your reaction to that. Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. 
All right. Trying to get a handle on uh, Donald Trump fans, and we just really want to hear you. We're not going to try to convince you or, or uh, anything. We just really want to listen to you and hear what you're saying about his change on immigration. Um, because it appears that he has, he was loved because he will say the truth and he doesn't care, that he won't fold for anyone, um, and uh, that he is strong on immigration and says it like it is and is going to deport, build a wall and deport these people. Now he is saying, um, no, we're not going to deport anybody and there won't be a deportation force and we're going to follow the law. And quite honestly, George Bush and Barack Obama have sent a lot of people back. We might be a little more vigorous than that, but they've sent a lot of people back. That's weaker than Rubio's position. Mm-hmm. Um, why is he saying that? And how do you relate to that uh, with no judgment on it? And if we strongly disagree, don't take our silence as agreement. For anybody who's listening to the program, we just want to listen. Let's go first to Kathy on line four in Ohio. Hello, Kathy. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Thank you, Glenn. Boy, this is an honor because I followed you on Fox News and I'm a contributor to Blaze Internet TV. Thank you. Thank you. And I love the program. Uh, Thank you. I was, well, we'll talk about the issue. Okay, how do I feel about it? I have gone and watched the rallies on television. And in between the rally, they'll go to a commercial, and it talks about his points. And this is where I'm willing to listen to what he's coming up with. Because, number one, he's going to use the law. We really, I don't care what they say about Obama and Bush. They really weren't, especially Obama. They were not following the law because the patrolman, the guards containment was catch and release. Catch and release into our into our communities. All right. On there, it says they're going to follow the law. When he says energizing, I know what he means. We're going to really follow the law. That's what he means by that. It's just a plan semantics without offending any future supporters of Obama slash Hillary. That's why he did that one. Okay. Then they say they're going to get rid of sanctuary cities. Well, I'm near a community that is a sanctuary city in Ohio, and I'm all for that because that attracts the bad guys. So that's two ways of, of taking care of the illegal immigrants. Number three, they want to find the people that hire the illegal immigrants. Okay, if they don't have the work, they may go back home. Number four, cut off the benefits. All right, if you cut off the benefits and you take away the education and possible Social Security and health care, there's not going to be anything for them here. Now, the ones that are already here, I always said no amnesty. I was firm on that. That's when he attracted me to them. However, realistically now, and I, I heard about uh, the um, Dwight D. Eisenhower, how he had you know, sent people back. Realistically, if he comes up and I want to hear what he has to say, how would he do it? Is it going to be like a work plan or you could uh, file paperwork and get at the end of the line? I mean, he said he's, it's not going to be a pathway to citizenship, the, what he's going to do. Legalization. But he's talking about it right now. Let's hear what the plan is. Because I don't want Hillary in here, and we cannot discourage people not to vote. I just came, left work at a hospital who was a staunch Hillary supporter, staunch. And I said, are you going to still vote for Hillary after, after all these lies and everything else? She goes, no, but I'm not crazy about how he talks with Trump. And I went, you know what? He is not a politician. He's not. 
He's used to being a billionaire, getting his own way. He's got to learn this. But guess what? In the last few weeks with, with this Kelly Conway, Kellyanne Conway, he's learning. He's learning fast. But okay, no, I wait, hang on just a second. Hang on just a second. I want to make sure. Hang on. Hold on just a second, Kelly. I want to make sure credit goes where credit is due. This yes. is not Kellyanne Conway. This is Roger Ailes. Well, you're Roger, right, you're right. Roger Ailes is running this uh, show. This is Roger Ailes. And you're saying this on your, you don't have an inside information. I have no inside information. I just could predict. I can see Roger Ailes thinking a million miles away. Okay. Um, this, is Ro- this is Ro- Roger Ailes doesn't believe uh, that the uh, immigration is a problem. He doesn't believe the border is an issue uh, like, like this, uh, he is, is, this is, this is Roger Ailes policy, but anyway, go ahead. So give credit well, you where know credit what? is I want to give him a chance because I, I knew number one, yeah, I'm a tea party member. Um, and we used to get once a week, you know, who would you vote for as number one, number two, number three, if they became president or as president. And when I always voted for Cruz because I want a constitutionalist. Absolutely. I, he's honest man. But when they started adding Trump's name, I started voting for Trump over Cruz. And let me tell you why. Because Cruz can't take the big establishment on the way this man is doing. Be- you know that. Because the Republicans are eating this one up from inside. They would really eat up Cruz. And I don't feel he could take it. People don't know him well enough. And they don't understand him. Where Everybody knows well, Trump. And he does follow through on things he says he's going to do. I don't believe Giuliani would get behind him if he didn't trust him also. Okay, because I, 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 I'm not trying to, I don't want to argue with you. I, did, I mean, the Cruz part, he's, he lost, so it doesn't, I mean, I don't think that part is, I, I understand what you're saying there. My question, yeah. though, is, because what you articulated was a, generally speaking, rational, uh, you know, fight on illegal immigration policy-wise, um, but that is not the policy he articulated. And so I'm, I'm curious in, into, do you find the switch you know, I don't know, annoying, for lack a of a better switch, word. Because I want to hear what his plan is, because I have to think, can he make a promise that he's going to, uh, okay, well, we have to do it this way, or is he going to be up front after studying it and speaking with the Hispanic community over the weekend and saying to himself, look, what's realistic? Don't forget, he's a businessman, he's a negotiator. But this was so the pitch Jeb Bush gave during now, the campaign. And he's going to tell the public realistically. And that's what okay. we have to stand by. Do we support him after that? I don't think Sure, okay. That so you want to wait. wait I, and I have see, no problem. Basically. Okay. All right. Kathy, very good. Very good conversation. Thank you for sharing that with us. I thought it was well laid out. Um, I, I think what I got out of this was very important was we just have to win. I think she's willing to accept anything because Hillary is so bad. What's so incredible about that, and again, I, we're not arguing with these people, but what's incredible about that as an, as an onlooker is that she, what she just described about, I just, well, he talked to Hispanic leaders and this he's weekend. now becoming more realistic, right? Mm-hmm. Is essentially what the complete <clears throat> complaint about Marco Rubio yes. and Jeb Bush and all of the yes. people who were seen as pro-amnesty in the campaign were. So like, if you didn't care about um, Why did you the immigration policy back then, and all you wanted to do was win, why wouldn't you take Marco Rubio, who was beating Hillary Clinton in all the polls? Because I think she said, and I think she's wrong on this, but her opinion is, is that nobody else could have been winning at this point besides Donald Trump. Well, that I, was not reflected in the polls. Oh, yeah, no. Marco all the Rubio polls showed Marco, Marco Rubio and would be Ted Cruz. Ten, Marco Rubio would be 10 points ahead. Both and Ted Cruz, I think, would be five 
five points ahead. I mean, Marco Rubio is a great example of this. The latest poll that came out of Florida, Donald Trump's on the ballot in Florida, and so is Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio is running against someone who is not as unpopular as Hillary Clinton is in Florida. There is a 22, 22-point differential between, between Donald, Trump. Donald Trump is running and where Marco Rubio is running. Shouldn't be that way. I mean... I, I'm not saying that Marco Rubio would have been the greatest president of all time, uh, and, and there's a lot of things I like about. No, if you wanted to win, but if you wanted one, to win, Rubio if you was wanted to win. Easy. Rubio was the easy choice, and it's not just now. Throughout the primary, Rubio was beating not only Donald Trump but also Ted Cruz, who I voted for. He was beating, as far as performance goes, clearly. I mean, he was smoking Hillary Clinton in the polls. So, it, but my, and that's what I, I don't understand is. If you want, if you don't care about the policy and you're fine with him, all right, some illegals are going to stay, and I'm going to. I talked to Hispanic leaders, and now I'm being more, uh, uh, you know, uh, open and honest, and, and what's realistic, and I'm I'm trying to win over voters. Why didn't you just go for Rubio? Rubio was offering that with a win. Donald Trump is offering now that package with a, with a loss. Or I mean, a possible if you, loss. Uh, you know, again, a possible loss, but I mean, we can only judge it as to where we are right now. He yes. could obviously win. It, well, she it, said, you know, now that Kellyanne Conway is on, he's winning, and that's actually, it's, there's no way to see an impact of what is happening in the last, what? Yeah, we haven't seen any impact yet. Four days. I you haven't seen any impact. I think we're seeing a slight tightening uh, in the polls nationally, although the Reuters that's poll not came from, out and had him down 12, so I don't know yeah. if that's actually happening. But, uh, you know, I think there might be a slight tightening in the national polls, which connects more to the end of the convention bounce really than anything else yes. as we went over on Patent Street yesterday. Uh, but, you know... I- You'll see these policies in the next 10 days. Yes. You'll see what he's doing in the last four days in the next 10 days. I'm, it, you might be a person who thinks, hey, look, we need to... Uh, anyone that... Uh, the bad, we'll get rid of the bad ones and we'll keep the good ones with illegal immigrants. That's a fine policy, but it's a policy that has been articulated by the Republican establishment for as long as I can remember. It is Jeb Bush's policy. Legalization, that's what he does. Let me go to uh, Tony in New York. Hello, Tony. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Very good. How are you? So you driving him good. Crazy. I, I, I actually uh, took some broadcasting courses when I first got sober 24 years ago, and I often wondered, gee, I could have done that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been better than me, I'm sure, Tony. But, but go ahead. I stuck, I stuck in my rooking trade. But but here's here's a point I'd like to make, and with no no undue respect, you're looking at Donald Trump the way I look at Hillary Clinton. And what you're not here's what you're very familiar with. You're very familiar with the politics of personal destruction, and it offends you. And I understand that. I said eight years ago when I had a blog talk radio show. A Republican president will never be elected until he learns to run like a Democrat. And what, what you guys are missing is Trump is talking to the, the guys that are in the street working when he says, we're kicking them all out. That's what we feel, but we know that can't happen. So what Donald Trump is a master at doing is firing up your emotions, saying something to get the hairs in the back of your neck up, and then he brings you around to reason. And if you watch everything that he's done, that's what he's been doing. And he destroyed the other candidates because they cannot fight against the, the politics of personal destruction. And that's why Donald Trump is where he is. That's why he'll beat Hillary Clinton. And, what, you know, you're looking at polls and you're saying, Rubio, we don't want another politician in Washington. We want them all arrested. Put them in Gitmo. That's what we hear in the street. That's what I hear in the clubs. That's what I hear from all my friends. Not just Hillary. All of them. Doesn't he? Well, but wait. But, but isn't... 
what a pol- what isn't what we hate about politicians is they say what Anything we want to have them say, and then when they get to office, they change that because they know better, and they're going to teach all of us well, exactly. Well, said during yesterday's talk with Sean Hannity was he's going to break up all the games. He's going to build the wall. He's going to get all the criminal illegals and throw them out of the country. See, no, that's not what already, he said. Yes, that's he not what he said. In the interview, you guys aren't listening. No, he, he said he softened. You're not listening. He softened his. Listen to this. Here it is. Here it is. Listen. That you might be able to change that would accommodate those people that contribute to society, have been law abiding, have kids here. Would there be any room in your mind or you? Because I know you had a meeting this week with Hispanic leaders. I did. I, did. I had a meeting with great people, yep. great Hispanic leaders, and there certainly can be a softening. Because we're not oh. looking to hurt people. We want people. We have some great people in this country. We have some great, great people in this country. Mm, that's not I'm throwing and, and them all out. That's not what he said. But Tony said he was going to. You should object to that. As a compassionate conservative. I have never, I've never described myself as a compassionate conservative. And also, it's not I, I think I would Glenn mention it. But my point is, listen, if he's being no. reasonable. But listen, this whole topic is driven. Everything we <laughs> talk about today is based on Trump. Everything. All over the world, it's Donald Trump. Everything. And he did it by coming up with an emotional statement on every one of these topics. Uh, And again, I'm I'm just trying to clarify and understand. I'm not trying to argue with you. But isn't our complaint with specifically Democrat politicians is that they play to our emotions. They play to the emotional side. And then when it comes down to it, they do whatever the hell they want to do. Is that what you're describing? Every every politician. But I think what we're seeing, people are seeing a guy like Donald Trump is, he has, he, listen, he attacks the establishment every day. Every it's day. Cool. He doesn't attack a Democrat every day. He attacks the establishment constantly. And those are the people we're sick of. Okay. And if Donald Trump went so into the he's office, your, so, the, so the difference is, and again, I'm not trying to argue, I'm trying to understand, he's your guy. So it's not like he's one of you. He's, he's the guy on the bar stool next to you. So if he does it, it's okay because he understands you. Well, he's like one of the other three billionaire presidents that were elected in the country of the United States, including John F. Kennedy. He is the working man's billionaire, and that's his key to success. He knows what we're saying in those clubs. He knows what we're saying when we're with our friends swimming. He knows what we're saying when we're four-wheeling or drag racing. Okay. And he's not afraid to say it. Good. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to make one point when we come back. Um, uh, about that. Let me tell you quickly about our sponsor this half hour. Um, gosh, I didn't get to the story again today. The Fed has put together a white paper on what it will take for a recession. Jeff, you read this. It, it's unbelievable. It's not even talking about a giant breakdown. They're saying, what bullets do we have left Correct. in our gun for a recession? And for a recession, they believe it will take two to four trillion dollars of money printing. That's insane. That is absolutely the death nail knell of the U.S. dollar. Please, it's coming. It's only a matter of time. The Fed is already preparing themselves and mines for it. Call Goldline now. One eight six six Goldline. One eight six six Goldline. Call them now. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury.
is the Glenn Beck Program. This is, I mean, we started with the book Pendulum by Williams and Drew today, and I read this earlier. Um, we are in uh, the, uh, we're, we're in uh, phase, listen to hour number one and understand the pendulum theory. We're entering uh, the most dangerous phase of the we generation, uh, which is I'm okay, you're not. And in the book it writes, here's the payoff. The easiest people in the world to manipulate in this season um, are those focused on a single issue. Be careful, be forcefully against whatever they're against, and you can lead them around like a tame calf on a rope. What, did, what, what are all the Trump people saying? That he's me for all different reasons. This guy just said, he's like me. He's the guy sitting next to me. So it doesn't matter because he's against what they're against. And what they're against? Politicians. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 